Welcome to the Team Clear Coat Podcast. This is an automotive enthusiast podcast by two car nerds. We love cars. We love talking about cars. We love yelling at each other about cars. I'm Ian. And I'm Dave. And this is our show. Hello, everybody. Hello. Everybody is just me right now. Right. It is just you. This is episode three. Yeah. Um, Let's get into it, Ian. Yes, let's. Um... Do you want to start with updates, personal updates? Yes, updates to the garage. We have to. Yeah, um, because, we have news. Yeah, we do. Um, it, let's get mine out of the way first because it's really just kind of petty at this point. Okay. Um, and petty because I kind of consider it petty having a 18-year-old car and then being disappointed with the condition of the interior, of the leather specifically. Okay. I want to find new seats to put in my car. Okay. But apparently, they're really hard to come by. Yeah. As you can imagine. Yeah. Do you have to stick with sob seats? I do. Oh. Unless I, like, put in racing buckets or something like that. Oh, okay. You're... <laughs> uh, I'm listening. You're looking at me like that's a reasonable thing for me to do when I, like, if I'm driving Melissa around. She'd be fine. She'd be fine with it. She'd be cool with it. <laughs> Honey, put on the six-point racing brackets uh, seatbelt. Well, I think you you can still use them with um, your lap with your regular shoulder belts. Yeah, I don't know. I may have to look into something because I I don't know. I'm not happy. This I'm, this is the like since everything else is working on my sob right now and everything is yeah. running very well. You as have you, to find something to complain right, about. Right, I just have to pick some scab. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with your seats in particular. They're not like the most supportive. For no. cornering or anything, but oh no, they're, it, they're as, as supportive as a bench seat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. I don't know. I mean, you couldn't find some. What about like some Vigan seats from the next generation? You can, but those the seat rails for them are wider. I did some research on this today um, oh. in non-typical day fashion. I actually did some research on it. Oh, there you go. Uh, so there are people that have converted Saab nine three and Vigan seats to. A 900 like mine mm-hmm. and that's probably going to be what i what i do unless i happen to find just some great you know 900 seats yeah. in good condition i mean the way that my mind works it was already owned by gm so clearly you can just put some like corvette seats in, and it would <laughs> yes. just work they just bolt right in i think so i okay. think that's how that works that's Our, science Dave. i just bought corvette se- seats on ebay so oh good add to yeah. cart <laughs> click <laughs> that's what yep. you need to do. Uh, amazon prime they're going to get here tomorrow Perfect. Okay, great. All right. Next. <laughs> Next. Next topic. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the R32, Ian. Okay, yeah. Um, so today I got – I picked up my car after the long and drawn-out saga of trying to get my exhaust put on. I have a a new-to-me Miltec catback exhaust with some black chrome tips, which I didn't know was a thing. I, I didn't know it was a thing either, and obviously – you tell me something is black chrome, I'm going to buy it. I don't care what it is. If yeah. it's black chrome bok choy, I want it. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it, they they're ridiculous. They look pretty awesome. They look amazing. And then uh, the noise it makes is a lot different. It's very. We were talking about this earlier. It's serious. It sounds business like. Business like. Ian took me for a drive just before we started recording this evening, and it just sounds. There isn't really another way to describe it other than a lot more serious yeah. than the exhaust that you had before. Yeah, and I had – so before, for anyone who knows the Volkswagen R32, I had the flapper mod, which is basically like they have the – there's valves in the exhaust that uh, open over a certain RPM and throttle position and all this other stuff. And so I installed a three-position switch to um, control it manually. So I – in other words, I just left it open all the time. Right. Um, and it was it was kind of loud and um, and really kind of like guttural. And then uh, this is like it's a it's yeah it's a little more refined. It rage, is I definitely guess. more refined. Yeah, but it's still I mean it's still loud. Yes, it it, it is loud. Um, at idle, it's quieter than what you previously had. Yep. Uh, it was just kind of purring. There's a really yeah a really nice purr to it. When I walked up to it, when you had it on the curb, yeah, and it just it sounds great. I love it. Yeah, once you get into it, it's it sounds pretty good. So I'm I'm pretty happy with it, and I I'm over the moon about the appearance of it because I think those tips look 
just badass. They they look amazing. Anything black chrome, I want it. I yep. want to black chrome my entire car and yep. my body. Yeah. Yeah. So the other thing I had done, I also got finally get the O2 sensor fixed and the door sensor latch mechanism. Yeah. Guess guess what, Dave? What, Ian? It still doesn't start the first time. No, you're kidding me. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Is it a faulty replacement? I th- no, because the door the light comes on now and okay. I can hear the fuel pump run. So it's a little better. It is okay. better. Okay. It's still not starting the first time. So we're left with the terrible and obvious conclusion that I'm a terrible mechanic and oh, I installed my fuel pump slightly incorrectly somehow. So I don't know if like, because there is it's a weird thing like the there's a pickup for the uh, there's a pickup hose for the like the the smaller fuel pump that does the prime when you open the door. Uh huh. Um, and I don't know if that didn't line up correctly or what because it's a little, you know, as we discussed in episode yes. one, duck's butthole. <laughs> <laughs> it's not really conducive for learning how to change your fuel pump. There's but not a lot of space in there. So. Fisher Price, my first fuel pump. Yeah, and it was actually this. I've done one before. I just, I don't know. It was hmm. really, it was really difficult this time. So I, I say the next time you plan to work on it, just make sure it's, uh, I don't know, negative five. Yeah, out. no, that's helpful. Fuel tank full. Yep. Uh huh. Yep. Yeah, you've left it sitting out all night. So I think I'm gonna have to go back to my mechanic with my tail between my legs and be like, "Can you fix my problem? Okay, that I created." Yeah, well, I mean, at least it's starting. Yeah, no, it, and yeah. it runs. It's running right. really well. Right yeah, now. it is running very well. So. Um, so when you texted me earlier today when you finally got your exhaust, or was it yesterday? It was today. Uh, um, that Was it the day before that you realized you weren't going to be able to get your exhaust that day? Yeah, yeah. So there was some issues with the – so I had it at my mechanic, and he had it for like a week and a half. But um, – they just like couldn't make it because I bought like my own tips uh-huh. from ECS tuning, and then I got the Miltech exhaust came, but it didn't have the elbows that come out of the muffler and uh, attached to the tips. Um, so they were trying to like custom them up, and they didn't really have the tools they needed. And then the clamp to go between the the basically the pipe that comes out of the cat and um, and then the the resonator pipe right. um, for the stock exhaust, and then my has a had a clamp on it. And this is a non-resonated uh, exhaust, and it's like a slightly bigger diameter. So um, they didn't have a clamp that would fit. So yeah. finally, they just called me and was like, you know, just take it to an exhaust shop. So I took it there, and they ended up welding that uh-huh. instead of putting a clamp on, which is probably better anyway, and and installing it. And I, they did a really good job. So. I I just wanted to talk a little bit about just your overall morale and how you felt about the car yesterday versus today, because I I think and I I think I've been there a lot with my car when just things are not going right, even if it's by your own hand or by the mechanic's hand. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's even worse if it's by your own hand because there's no one to blame but yourself. Right. Where you're honestly just a step away from lighting the car on fire and walking away from it. Yeah, I'm I'm a little bit there right now, but it's more less to do with my the my car and the state of my car than the state of my bank account at this point. Yeah. Because uh, it's it's expensive to get this stuff done and worked on, and it just adds up so quick. It's and it's easy to talk yourself into. It is for me because anyway, <laughs> I'm not very smart with this kind of stuff. But like, it's easy for me to talk myself into a something small, and then it snowballs because well, if I do that, then I have to do this, and then right. I have to do that. Um, you know, so then I end up with my, you know, my three hundred dollar exhaust that ends up costing, you know, more than twice that. So right. after all said and done, so um, it can be really frustrating. Yeah. It yeah. can. And I've been there a lot myself with the Saab. And it's, I don't know, there's just days where, like that day I rage fixed the water pump on it, where mm-hmm. it was just like, I am done. I am done with this car. Yeah. I'm just buying a V6 Accord and I'm going to be boring as shit. Yeah. I'm going to wear pants with pleats on them. 
<laughs> and and this is my life now. This is my life. Guess what? We're going to Chili's tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've gotten there a couple of times, but then I I always remind myself like, for me, actually the thing in my car that I I think I can't. I would have a harder time replacing is actually just like being sideways in the snow in it. Okay. With, you know, with the good snow tires on and, um, and you know, lots of exhaust noises. This is like your happy place that you go to. That's my happy place. In this time of frustration. Doing donuts in the snow in my car because, you know, like track days and stuff, I could easily get a car for similar money. That would be probably better at the track than my car. Yes. And certainly faster in a straight Mm -hmm. line. Um, that's, that, that's my bad. That's okay. I didn't turn off my ringer. That's all right. Um, we'll edit that out. We, we won't. <laughs> we won't. So I also have a happy place for my car and it's just feeling the wide open throttle and the boost just spooling from like 2000 RPM mm-hmm. and just kind of feeling that slow build at first. And then just like when it starts to snowball and tip over the edge and you realize, oh shit, we are accelerating. So it's that, it's that moment between the turbo coming on and you torque staring into a tree. <laughs> yes. That's the, the yes. though, that like two seconds uh-huh. that you have before your imminent death. Yes. It's, it's like when I do a wheelie on my bicycle, uh-huh. I, my, my, both my wheels are on the ground. Yeah. And then one is in the air. And you know and imminent disaster. <laughs> right. And then I crash. Yeah. And if someone takes a picture in between those two things, those right. bookends, it looks like I'm doing a wheelie. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So. Unbridled joy, which can yes. only end in your demise. Yes. Yeah. I get it. But what I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that even in those times of frustration, when the car is not running, when things are not going right, it is... That was also my, that was also my laptop just making noises. I'm, I'm just terrible at this. Ian and I understand what you're going through if, if you're out there and you've ever hit that point with your car, and we understand. We are empathetic to it, and it's you're going to get to the other side of it. So okay, so I have a coworker named Kirby, and I'm sure he will be uh, a guest at some point on this. But he uh, he used to build and uh race at the drag strip um dsm cars so okay he, he yeah built, uh eclipses i think he had a couple of them and at one point he had this eclipse and I, i'm probably going to screw up the details but you'll get the idea he was bound and determined to make it an 11 second car okay and so he was making progress and spending money and making progress and spending money and you know you know three steps forward and two steps back sort of stuff and he finally gets it running well and and gets it into the elevens and then um he so like the second run of that he thinks he breaks his transmission it won't shift in the second really and so he basically drives it home and parks it for 5 years and then ends up selling it right before he moves here 5 and, years he yeah, parked it and he was just like I'm done years fuck it I'm done yeah 5 years and um to, was taking it apart and trying to, you know, figure out what was going on. And it turned out that he had, like, a boost controller, like, module. Uh-huh. And it was just a box that had fallen down into the shift cable and was just jammed. No. That was the whole thing. So, like, when he did a hard launch, it would, you know, it would fall down into the shift cable. And that was the whole problem. So, yeah. 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 So, I think most, I think most car guys go through yeah this sort of stuff. Yeah. I think it's pretty common. But your car's running well now. The it is draw run- sounds great. It is running well. It's it sounds so great. Thanks, Dave. I'm, I was I was uh, I was nervous about it because I I started it and it sounded quiet and I was like I don't know. Right. Yeah. But yeah. But when you get into it, I think it sounds pretty good. I like it. I like it. Yeah. All right. What else do we have? Um, I bought my flights today. Speaking of oh, for my chump bank car account update. being empty. Um. Yeah. Yeah. For the for the chump car. So I'm one step closer. Still need to learn the track and okay. figure out where I'm staying and all that sort of stuff. Okay. And not be completely terrified. But, yeah. Well, I don't know if we have time to fix that, but, I mean, no. maybe a Xanax. Yeah. I, <laughs> I got nothing on that one. Yeah. No amount of project cars can uh, cure that. But yeah. I think you're going to do really well. I hope so. 
hope so. Oh, and I had a, we had the I had the race, the, the endurance race at Unser. Yeah, I forgot about that. We did yeah. the uh, I did the karting race, and Dave was also going to do the karting race. But, yes, but he came over all Ian and, uh-huh. and got lazy and didn't do it. Didn't You're it. exactly right. Yeah, I pulled an Ian. Yeah, um, versus you pulling a Dave, which I guess is you getting sunburnt. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> or like hitting your head on a door frame, maybe. Yeah, that never happens. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so I just took pictures. I watched. Uh, I didn't do much yelling because you couldn't have heard me anyway. Yeah. Um, but it was great. Unser did a tilt event with eleven racers. Or yeah, it was eleven. Years? It was eleven people, and uh-huh. it's a so it's in one of these indoor karting places, and it's a these gas are gas gas powered yep. carts. They do about like 40, 45 miles mm-hmm. an hour. And it's like a little eight-mile track. Um, but it's a lot of fun. It is tons of fun. And 30 minutes is – that's a yeah. lot. You like, are wrestling the steering wheel of that car the entire time. Especially me because I think I think there's – I think I have a problem which is like sort of diminishing returns on my weight advantage. Okay. Because I'm, again, for your listeners, a smaller gentleman. <laughs> um <laughs> So I don't. I think you were right. I think I don't have enough weight over the rear wheels, uh-huh. and I was. It was oversteer city the whole yes. time. Anybody, part part any, of it was the floor was super cold, but it was very cold. Yeah. Anybody that sees the team clear coat uh, Instagram feed and my Instagram feed should see you oversteering and handling it like a boss. Yeah. Well, I think that one was partly because I was going around somebody, so I was like. Going in super late to that corner, but yeah, I was sideways a lot during that. Yes, and a couple of times I was like waving at Dave <laughs> as I was oversteering around that corner because he was look like, "Look how insane this is!" Yeah, it's it was crazy. Yeah, um, and I should have taken first, but I didn't. That's so, okay. That's yeah. okay. It was it was really great. We saw somebody get ejected because <laughs> yeah, I, Dave saw that. I, I, that. I saw one of the most horrendous karting crashes in an indoor track that I've ever seen. I saw a cart fly like two feet into the air when it hit a wall. I guess this gentleman had uh, retaliated for somebody that bumped him or wouldn't let him pass. And Ian and I were talking to him before the race. He was very sure of himself. He was very sure of himself. And uh, I kind of got a weird vibe from him that I didn't really want to talk to him very much. Turns out that vibe was correct. Well, you were being judgmental because he's a downhill mountain biker. He is, yeah. He or was, was is or was. Yeah. yeah, I I don't know. I downhill mountain biking is fun, but I don't know. I always yeah. like see this is the kind of thing like uh I was talking with my friend about this earlier about how uh like Jenny's in- entrance into the uh, into the world of cars is that uh, she likes hearing about the culture of it and like the okay. divisions of car guys? Because to her, it's just you know, car guys are car guys. Okay, you know, like IT people. They're all they all right. We're all computers, computer. uh-huh. right? And uh, and so like I always like hearing about that with with biking with cyclists I, with cyclists. Okay, because right. there are yeah. You were talking about the different races you do. There are you guys. There's like genres within genres within yes. genres of just mountain bike racing. Yes, that. I've never heard of or experienced before. Stay tuned to my mountain bike podcast. Yeah. Was it Alley Cat? <laughs> what was one of them? Uh, I did an Alley Cat race. Yeah, an Alley Cat. Uh, it, that's a that's not a mountain bike race. It's uh, typically road. That's the kind of racing. So that... you just ride by each other and hiss. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we hide in grocery bags. <laughs> <laughs> you eat trash yes. and just. Scratch you, you uh-huh. flip on your backs and <laughs> kick and scratch. We're, we sit around at a coffee shop, and then for no reason whatsoever, we have to go to another coffee shop. Yeah, I like it. Um, yeah, so I, I, I did an alley cat. I race sometimes with this kind of local Denver team called Team Meow. They're just a bunch of rad guys that love bicycles and love throwing uh, bootleg races. Mm-hmm. They're just races that where they don't block up the streets and you know they don't pull licenses. They're not. They're technically not races. They're air quotes group rides for legal purposes yeah and um i i don't know i'm kind of indifferent about i I kind of have some varying opinions about those because i as a cyclist i hate anything that that pisses off traffic and makes other cyclists look bad and especially being a car person i understand how car culture perceives cyclists 
from a different perspective because I do walk both sides. Right. My goal as a cyclist is to be the cyclist that you don't see. Mm-hmm. Like, or if... Until you hit the... Right, yes. <laughs> or if, if I'm the one that follows the traffic <clears throat> right. rules, right? If right. we get to a four-way stop and you and a car get there first, I, I don't like it when people just wave me on. Like, I want them to treat me like you would treat another car in that uh, in that in that setting because I want everybody to behave in a manner that everyone else can predict, oh. right? If it's your turn to go at the stoplight, then you go, right? If it's my turn to go at the stoplight, I go. You know, so I don't like track stand and just, you know, wait, I like take my, I unclip, I put my foot down and I, you know, motion for the car to go, even though they're just trying to be polite. Yeah. I would always motion for the bike to go. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. And I mean, I have some friends that I ride with that are more assholes than I am when they're out on bikes Mm -hmm. to traffic. And I don't like that. Yeah. Um, so I don't ride like that and I, I don't know. I'm I'm sorry. We're go- kind of going off on the second yeah, tangent. Fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. Dave, I don't know if you know this or not. This is our podcast. It we is. Can, we can talk about whatever we want. It is. Yeah. You're right. Um, I don't know. It, it's. Um, I don't. I don't know. So so anyway, to get back to the alley cat, it's tons of fun. And if you don't take it too seriously, if you just show up to have fun and ride a safe race, you could. You can have a lot of fun doing the race and not piss off traffic and finish the race safely. So it's the kind of racing that messengers invented to find out who the fastest messenger is. Okay. So at the beginning of the race, you are given like five to eight, maybe ten checkpoints, right? And these are quote-unquote deliveries. So you have to hit all of these spots in whatever route that you determine – and you have to have some kind of evidence that you've been there. Now that everybody has cell phones, we, you just take a selfie of your, of you or your bike in front of something. Right. And so then at the end of the race, when you cross the line, they just go through your pictures on your phone real quick. Did you get this, 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 this? And, you know, just check everything off. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the fun comes in the routing. And, you know, ev- this was – I've only done one. And I'm going to do every other one that I see. Because... How many people just, like, insert, like, just a dick pic? Just in the middle <laughs> – it's like, oh, checklist, checkpoint one, checkpoint two. Oh, God, what's that? <laughs> oh, I didn't mean for you to see that. Yeah. But is that something you're interested in? <laughs> some, kind, some kind of pickup. We're all already wearing Lycra anyway, so, I mean, there's not much left to the imagination. <laughs> the Lycra, that's, I think, honestly, that's just, that's where I can't. That's the biggest barrier. Yeah. At, at one point, I actually told my wife, I said, if you ever catch me wearing Lycra, I call them plum smugglers. Yeah. If you ever catch me wearing plum, plum smugglers, I want you to kill me. Yeah. This was, I would just bike commute and just wear what I wear. Which is why I've only ever met your ghost. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yes. She murdered me. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it's just the most effective clothing for what you're doing. You know, yeah. Right? Yeah, I guess. And the more you bike, the better you look in it. Well, let's not get crazy because I don't think anybody looks good in it. I mean, it's all it's, that's a relative. I, I that's think, a relative term. I think you might need to ask some ladies because uh, I don't know. No, no, nobody, no, no one likes to see smashed up genitals. <laughs> that's not a good look for anybody. All of our one listener, please write in and tell me <laughs> and how you feel about seeing gentlemen in plum smugglers. <laughs> No, it's just it's call it what it is, smashed up genitals. <laughs> so yeah, so anyway, alley cats. Um yeah. I took seventh in that alley cat, maybe I don't know. I could have I could have done a lot better had I uh pissed off traffic and, mm-hmm. you know, run lights and stuff like that. Um and also not gotten lost one time. Uh that that's certainly a factor. Yeah. Uh because I apparently I get very mixed up around fourteenth and spear. I have no idea oh, yeah, it's a how mess. all that works. Yeah, right. It's a mess. Um so yeah, it's uh it was a lot of fun. Maybe I don't know, maybe twenty or so guys did it. That's cool. And um yeah, I say guys, but it there were women racing as well and it was great. Uh a friend of mine, Prince uh, does some screen printing for t-shirts and stuff. His name is Joe Hammers. He does some great screen printing shirts. And um, I gave away a, a, a shirt that he did of um, 
That one's yours. That, that one's, one's mine. yours. I I gave away a shirt uh, that he did to the first place men's and the first place women's finisher. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, and since it, it was Team Meow during the event, these shirts had giant cats screen printed on them. Fantastic. It was really cool. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. So anyway, that's one tiny subgenre of the racing that I like doing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll have to stay tuned for like Dave explains cycling to Ian. Yeah. News to Ian. Cycling news to yeah. Ian. Smash up genitals. <laughs> yes. So I, I smash my genitals in and then ride and then ride on the mountain bike. Yeah. I smash my genitals, then ride cyclocross. Yeah. Yeah. So I think so it's what's the date today? The twenty fourth of September. September, yes. We we should probably talk about the big the biggest automotive news story. Man, we have to get into this because I, I can't I can't believe that it happened. You set the stage, Ian. Yeah, so... You're much better at this than I am. This this week, it came out that... And apparently this is from a study from like a year and a half ago. Yes. Um, but it came out that Volkswagen has been um, cheating on their emissions tests uh, with, <coughs> with the EPA. And it, this is kind of, you know, with, with a little bit of context, maybe not all that surprising um, because they're having other scandals like this in the past and even recently uh hyundai got in trouble for uh cheating at the the, the gas mileage yeah. um, cycle scandal or uh, uh test and uh it's just it's a crazy story because it was they were just so brazen about it and they it's were so unlike everything that everyone thinks about when they think about volkswagen Wait. When these types of scandals have happened in the past, I don't even know if they could really be called scandals. It was more just like people fudging some numbers to get maybe 5% difference. Right. Maybe 10% at the most. Right. The, the last thing I remember was like maybe Chevy Volt uh, statistics and then everybody trying to calculate gas mileage around that. And... Well, that's a whole other yeah, thing. Right, that's right. Yeah, that has to do a little bit with how the EPA uh, – calculates um electrical energy input so like how how many watts per gallon right. of gas you get and then like the europeans do that differently <coughs> so you end Pardon up with me. like these wildly different yeah mpg yeah. numbers and stuff but there's never been a scandal like this before no this is pretty crazy so and the, the volkswagen ceo resigned yesterday um and today it came out that the BMW X3 diesel, which yes. we don't get in the States but is in Europe, is now wrapped up in this. Volkswagen says 11 million cars are affected, half a million in the U.S. People are talking about numbers uh, of fines just in the U.S. of $18 million. $18 million or billion? Oh, billion. $18 yeah. billion. Um, they're talking about uh, close to $12 billion just to fix the problem, which is crazy. So I the thing I want to talk about is what like as the because this is sort of uh, um, us explaining what it's like to be a the, the car guy and surrounded by non car guys right okay real quick I do want to explain what Volkswagen was doing oh right? yeah we 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 know so Volkswagen was was altered their ECU software right. for the car's computer. When it was on a dyno doing testing, it would reduce its emissions of NOx. How's that said? Nitrous oxide. Uh, uh, nitrogen oxide. Nitrogen oxide. Yeah, which is dangerous stuff. Yeah, it's bad. Right. It's so worse it wasn't, than CO two. It, it wasn't the dyno. It, it was. They could tell. I believe through the OBD two okay. port that they had test equipment hooked up to right, it. Right, right. And so it would alter... It would reduce emissions by 10 to up to 40 times yeah. what they would, what the emissions would normally be when you were out driving around. Right. And so... Here, 40 times. So, of course, so the research that I was doing about it was that basically with diesel, you have a lot of trade-offs. So you can get performance... And it all has to do with the temperature of the explosion in within the engine. Okay. So the, if I remember right, basically what they were doing was retarding the timing to get these better emissions numbers. But that redu- that means that the engine's much less efficient because it's not as hot, um, and it also sometimes produces more soot. Right. Um, so that like when people like do that like 
just fucking stupid rolling coal thing. Yes. Those, the trucks that do that. Um, basically, what they're doing, they're just making their engine really, really inefficient. And so they're not burning off all those particulates that end up coming out of their tailpipe and right. annoying people. Yes. So you have all these all these trade-offs. And so Volkswagen kind of found that their sweet spot for performance and, um, and efficiency did violate the EPA standards for nitrogen oxide uh, emissions, which is a, a really like poisonous and, and greenhouse gas and the whole thing. So, yeah. But the, so the thing that I would like to talk about though is like, I have friends in Michigan, which is a non, I believe a non emissions testing state. Okay. Um, who have a TDI sport wagon and they uh-huh. love it and they bought it specifically for their, its efficiency and yep. for the ease of how well, how, how good it drives, which is directly related to how much power it makes before or after this scandal. These cars are great cars. They yeah. are really, really good cars. Yeah, absolutely. I have recommended them to a lot of people actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like I said, if you if you live in a non-emission state, so mm-hmm. the, everyone's best guess is that the fix for this is going to be an ECU flash, which will probably reduce your gas mileage and or performance. Right. So you take your car to the dealer. They update the ECU software on your car. And you drive worse. away with a, a worse performing car. Yeah. But, but an invisible gas that you can't see isn't there anymore. Right. An invisible gas that is a greenhouse gas and a, is not there to the degree it was before. Yeah. And slightly poisonous. So yes. like – it's better. Right. Do you – would you – could you counsel a friend? So you have a friend who lives in a yes. non-mission state. Sure. Would you tell them to go immediately go take it take advantage of that recall? That's a tough question. I'm buying time by talking words out of my mouth while I think about it. <laughs> I'm going to say because I thought about it already. I, I yeah. would not. I would, would tell not? them at a minimum wait. Just to see how things shake out? Yeah. Because if 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 it ends up being that you no longer have the car that you bought, mm-hmm. and and let's assume that there's not going to be a class action, a successful class action sure. suit against Volkswagen for false advertising, right? Um, and a buyback that, program or something right. like that. I mean, because that I mean that would be asinine. devastating. Yeah. yeah. Um, then then you're you're stuck with a car that you really didn't want in the first place, mm-hmm. and that. Whose resale value is now going to be awful? Yes. Got to be. Yes. So I've got to think like there's probably in non-emissions testing states there's probably going to be like a really healthy secondary market for non-recall. Yeah. Volkswagens. It, it makes me think of things like um, the Apple TV two, you know, that was easy to jailbreak and people could turn it into a media server really right. easily. Mm-hmm. So a $90 piece of consumer electronics was suddenly going for like 200 on Craigslist, you know? <laughs> right. Right. Um, so it also makes me think of uh, my, my friend Jason who has a mini Cooper S turbo. Um, unfortunately it's an automatic transmission, but that's just Jason. Mm-hmm. Um, he recently had a software update to his co- his mini that, Altered some of the performance of it, and he is really upset about it, as he should be. Hmm. It, it and a lot of other mini owners have had problems with this because it changed the way the drive-by wire, the throttle, behaves. And he's he's one of those individuals that will not modify his car. He won't. Right. He he wants it. He wants the car he wants, and he wants to keep it that way. And that you know, obviously, that's fine. It, there's all types in in car culture. Um, you and I are not those people. Right. Um, but he's in a really bad position now because this is an official mini update. There's nothing he can do. He can't go back. He doesn't want to do any modifications outside of that. And his car is worse than what he had. People with these two liter TDIs, these Volkswagens are probably going to be in the same position when they get their car updated. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I'm saying like, I, I get the the argument for getting the update, and it's the right thing to do. It is the right thing to do, yeah. But would you? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, and it's still hypothetical because they right. haven't actually issued a recall yet. Right, right. It but is hypothetical. That's everyone's best guess. I probably would. Just, I don't know. I, my conscience is mean. Yeah, I don't know. I think I, I would get it, and I would 
be able to sleep at night. Yeah. It would somehow bother me and cause anxiety. <laughs> and I would have insomnia. I'd wake up at 1 a.m. and think about it. And I think if my friends ask, I'm going to tell them to maybe not run the car in the garage with their child in it. <laughs> and just, you know. Because they do that all the time anyway. Yeah. I, yeah. Would, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's a tough position. Yeah. Yeah. You're, just, you're not taking it to the dealer anymore. Just yeah, you're, gonna have you're to... right. Yeah, you're going to have to deal with it from now on. Yeah, outside of the dealer, I don't know. It's it's crazy. It, I honestly cannot believe that something like this happened. So operating in a corporate environment like like we do for our daily jobs, mm-hmm. right? We understand processes like change control, and yeah. you know these systematic things that are put in place to approve changes, and. We, you know, not just at a software level, but just as a cultural level in yeah. an organization. Yeah. And so there are, there has to be a lot of people that like clicked yes on a change control box. Maybe it's something like when you get the ballot information in the mail, things are worded so oddly that you don't really understand what they mean. Right. You're like, why wouldn't you vote yes for this? Well, actually, in reality, it means you want to club baby seals. Like, yeah. You know, and so maybe there was some of that going on where <laughs> these things were obfuscated to the internal people. I don't know because it, there was – so there's been a couple of stories that have come out about it that make me think otherwise. I mean partly even even before this, I mean – Everyone knew that Volkswagen's success or lack thereof in North America was a huge deal to that company. It was. And and I don't know if you've ever read any of the articles or, or seen any like the little graphics or whatever about like why cars look the way they do and why uh, development cycles are so long, about all the different regulations from around the world that they have to they have to meet. Okay. Like the height of the hood it has a lot to do yep. with pedestrian safety in Europe. Yep. And then we have our crazy emission standards and all this other stuff mm-hmm. and, and headlight restrictions around the world and all For these... the height of the headlights themselves. Yeah, because they're yep. different. It's different everywhere. Yep. yep. So these regulatory discussions are huge parts of development of cars. And that that two liter TDI motor was a huge deal for Volkswagen Audi. So I can't think and it's been noted that the, the CEO of Volkswagen had uh, kind of an outsized um, hands-on role, you know, compared to other um, auto executives. It's it's impossible for me to think that that this wasn't malicious. Like, there's no way that this wasn't a conscious. Yeah, we're just gonna see if we can get away with it. Sort right of thing. You know. Yeah, I feel the same way that there were people that that knew what they were doing. It wasn't just, you know, like, oh, this is the way the software operates. It's okay. Right. Yeah. You know, no, it was it was designed and, and produced that way. Yeah. And, there, I mean, there is going to be – there are going to be other car makers who get yes. on this. Yes, there are. Yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah. It's – I just keep thinking it, it's like – it's a cr- like a crazy John Grisham novel. Like, this is like the Pelican Brief. This is <laughs> – like, this is cra- – like, Julia Roberts is whipping around the parking garage <laughs> – so the the big selling point of that two liter engine was that you didn't have to add diesel exhaust fluid. Yeah, that the was, urea injection. Yeah, yeah, that was the big thing about it, and everybody really liked it because you didn't have to do that. And it turns out that you actually did have to do that. You <laughs> yeah. should have been doing that, and this wouldn't have happened. Yeah. But then the sales figures for those cars wouldn't have been what they are because people see that at as an additional cost to owning the car. And that stuff is expensive. I think it's $40 well, and for it's, a gallon. It adds weight, which means that the gas mileage would have been worse. <laughs> and I mean, but that, I yeah, think, and, yeah. and it, it's bulk. I think part of it was packaging mm-hmm. because in the Passat, they did have the urea injection with that engine. Okay. Um, but not in the Golfs or the Beetles. So, um, or the A3. So it's probably just a, it was probably just a packaging. Yeah. Sure. There's only so much room underneath the yeah. hood of those cars. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. And that it, stuff is, like, super toxic, too. Yeah. Like, you can't have it in the passenger compartment. No. There's all sorts of restrictions on that. So, mm. yeah, it's a mess, but it's <laughs> it's crazy. It's it's insane. It, yeah. This is the biggest automotive scandal that I can think of. As, I mean... As, as far as... I mean, there's the ignition switch recall. 
Yeah, and like over which is responsible people, for people's lives. Right. People actually died with that, yes. and they totally got away with it by saying like, "Oops, yeah. it was old GM." Right. You know, we're new GM, even right. though right. everybody, still a lot of them used are the same there. people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I really wonder if this is going to be a. There's going to be a criminal investigation. Yeah. And if anybody is going to see any jail time over this, I would assume that. Volkswagen's lobbyists in the United States are not what they are, not what GMs are. True. So I doubt that they're going to have those kinds of resources. The fact that they're already saying we've set aside seven billion dollars to handle this as just getting the ball rolling, right? right? Which they have. They've set aside seven billion dollars. I would like to know when they did that. Yeah. How many years ago? <laughs> oh, okay. did they start building that? Yeah. That fund. Yeah. You know? This is the fund for when they finally find out. Right. Fund. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I it's don't know. Just that, that attitude of, like, it's a good idea until we get caught is always so amazing to me. It, it's something that's okay in, like, F1 racing. Right. You know? Yeah. Or, like, you know, yeah. yeah. That kind of stuff happens all the time, but this is it's just it's this is millions of cars. Yeah. It's just outright hubris. That's what that is. Yeah. That's that's just balls balls hubris. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. I uh yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. It's been a yeah. way I feel like and it I feel like the automotive press has been like in shell shock over it. Yeah. Over this last week. Everyone has just been like you can see people in when you're reading the articles. You can see the arc, the author just shaking his head and being like, oh, "Man, this is crazy." <laughs> These are the words I'm typing, and I yeah. can't believe it. The hey. one, the one fun thing has been seeing like non because I follow like non automotive journalists and stuff on, mm-hmm. and pop culture people on Twitter, and like them trying to ask car questions. Okay, like uh, there's a guy that I follow who's like a tech reporter, and he was like, "I didn't know that the U.S. had more stringent." emission standards and oh okay and he was like surprised by that i was i that's i thought that was like super common knowledge yeah you know yeah yeah i don't know cultural knowledge yeah uh what do you say we lighten it up a little bit okay and play some fmk cars yes yes can i go first because mine is topical of course okay oh are they all volkswagen two liters (laughs) no you know so i actually thought that you were gonna do that I did I th- not thought about doing that, um, so I went a little lateral with it. Okay, um, I have two that are somewhat topical, but I'm going to do this one because I okay. think it's I think it's fun. So, I so one of the things that people think are is going to happen is there's going to be a, a a renewed crackdown on emissions testing and emission standards yeah. and and all that sort of stuff. They're going to start measuring at the tailpipe more, right? While like on that. the road, and, yep. Which yep. is probably what they should have been doing. Should have been doing all, anyway, but, all along. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so the last time this happened, okay, the automotive industry was completely unprepared for it, and it basically almost ruined most American car companies. And I'm referring to the 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 malaise era. Yes, when catalytic converters had to start being introduced to exhaust systems. Yeah, and everybody everybody was in shell shock and. And said, "Well, this is the end of the powerful car yep. and everything else, and mm-hmm. now you can buy a you know four door sedan with seven hundred horsepower." So, right, right. Um, the, and that was around nineteen seventy. <laughs> it was like the mid seventies through the early eighties. It's okay. kind of known as the Malaysia, Malaysia. Era yeah, for a variety of reasons. Right. But um, we're design being a very big one of them. Yeah, we're worried about the cars. Yeah. So, so we're gonna go with. Faux muscle cars from the Malaise era. Okay. All right. FMK. FMK. So, and I All have right. a, a webpage up. So uh, Popular Mechanics actually had a good list of Malaise era cars. So we're going to – I selected uh, – uh, it's a 10 Malaise era muscle cars. Okay. Performance pretenders. And so I've selected three from their list. Okay. All right. So the first one is the 1978 Ford Mustang King Cobra. Okay. It has a V8. With? 139 horsepower. Wow. <laughs> it is also not the best looking. No, it's not. I mean, there's some Mustang. nostalgia. They've dressed it up in this picture in the John Player livery where yeah. it's kind of black and gold. But, man, that's uh, that car has a face for radio. Yeah. All right. Moving yeah. on. Okay. All right. Oh, God, 139 horsepower. 
And it's and that's seventy steel. Like that's it's so heavy. Seventy that zero, steel. That zero to sixty has to be like well, it's actually just zero to fifty. We couldn't get it to sixty. Yeah. So Oh, I like this that I'm seeing now. So I'm gonna give you the benefit of the doubt. We're gonna go with the nineteen seventy well I don't know if we'll go with the 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 GT or not. We'll we'll talk about it. So okay. the nineteen seventy eight AMC Gremlin. Ah. The V eight had uh-huh. 120 horsepower. Oh my gosh! But the GT, uh huh, the GT that had the 4.2 liter inline six. Oh, from oh. from the Jeep. Uh huh. Yeah. Um. So we're gonna yeah. go with that one. Okay. It's called the GT, so it's got to be faster, right? Right. Oh, it has to be. It's not, Dave. Really? Not Dave. It says GT though, Ian. <laughs> they wouldn't lie to me, would they? GT stands for get tootin' down the road. Do you see what this is? Oh, no. Yeah. This <gasps> one's kind of at the tail end of the malaise era. It is, but it embodies everything about it. Yeah. The listeners, the, get the ready Chrysler, for what Ian's about to tell you. The Chrysler TC by Maserati. By Maserati. Yeah. Any um, car guy ha- any gar- car guy has seen one of these. It's the Chrysler LeBaron that's K- been that's on the K car and rebadged it's... as a Maserati. Uh, well, no, it was a Chrysler, right? By Maserati, right? So yeah, yeah, it was, it was a LeBaron. Confusing. It was a LeBaron, and it was also not Maserati's golden age either. No, it wasn't. <laughs> um, this is it the... had a Mitsubishi motor though. It's... It had the. And this is we're going to get back into our Plymouth Chrysler. Oh boy, argument. Uh-huh. Sure, but, um, we're going to go not with the the turbo four cylinder because that would be cheating. Okay, we're we're going to go with the 141 horsepower three liter V6. Oh, just to make it that much worse. Okay, um, this was expensive too. It's it's but, insane. It, yeah. So. To remember this car, uh, if you look at – if you watch uh, Seinfeld when he – Costanza buys John Voight's car. Yeah. Uh, if you don't remember what a Pontiac LeBaron is. that se- Chrysler. Chrysler. Chrysler LeBaron. LeBaron. Thank you. Did I say Pontiac? Mm-hmm. Wow. It's late at my, night. Ian. My dad had a Chrysler LeBaron. He had the, the turbocharged one, which uh-huh. I think had like 200 horsepower. Uh, so it was pretty quick for the day. And it, it had the, the talking feature. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. And I thought – as a six-year-old, that was like the coolest thing. A door ever. is a jar. Yep. A door. Yeah. Is a jar. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. It was exactly yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. So one time, so he his obsession is uh, uh, stereo equipment. He loves stereo equipment. Okay. Home home stereo. Uh huh. This is uh, your father. My father. Okay. He is um, the least practical man I know. He went to Pot meat kettle. Yeah, I know. So we had – I have this very distinct memory of like it being like way past me and my sister's bedtime and we're in the back of the LeBaron and he's finished his, you know, hours-long negotiation in the stereo store and we drove home with these huge Bose <laughs> cabinet speakers on our laps. Okay. And my mom was so pissed. <laughs> there was no pla- no other place to put them. No. That's in, why in you have LeBaron. children. Yeah, to hold your speakers. To hold your your, <laughs> your uh, on-a-whim purchases. Yep. I'm sure you both were wearing seatbelts. Well, you're weighed down by a cabinet speaker, <laughs> and that's, like, just as good as an airbag. I mean, that's, just again... as good as an airbag. That's, again, just science. Okay, so, so we have the Mustang with yeah. its 130 horsepower yeah, V8. the Mustang 2. This is uh, the, the... Electric Boogaloo. Yeah. Uh, the Gremlin. GT. GT, uh-huh. And the LeBaron. I... I'm going to have to kill the LeBaron. That's going to the crusher. This is the TC. So. I understand. It's still a LeBaron. <laughs> uh, which means I'm going to have to drive a, a Mustang 2 for a day. What? Because I'm going with the Gremlin oh. as my daily driver, son. Bless your heart. Yeah. Uh, well, it's a hatchback. Ish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, because I would I would drive it. I would own it. It has if if I can get that four point two liter AMC straight six, I'm perfectly fine. Okay. If I remember correctly, one of my history teachers uh, in high school uh-huh. had a Gremlin at one point, and he told us about how awful it was to own. Mm-hmm. 
because they just did some things a little bit oddly with the car that you wouldn't suspect. Um, the the weather stripping around the doors and windows was really, really good, and it made an excellent seal for from the for the car from the outside world. Uh-huh. But this was in Missouri. Uh, a tornado was rolling through town, and because of the difference in pressure from the outside air and the air that was in his gremlin when he closed the door when he got out of it earlier that day the windows blew out of his car you're I making have, i have my skeptical face on yeah well you know there are many other holes between <laughs> like the vents don't just close i don't know i don't know that He's... doesn't seem right to me all right Let's call up more, Do- Mr. Pettigrew, I think was his name. More likely, when there's a tornado around, there's probably big rocks and shit From, <laughs> flying around. And I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, big rocks flying around also can cause windows to break. They can. They can. Um, this is this is a teacher who drove a mail truck as his daily driver. Okay. I We need to find him and get him on as a guest. Because, yeah. We uh, can ask him how much weed he smoked during well, the second period. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, I so I'd drive the Gremlin. Okay. I like it. I'm wondering if any listener would side with me on this. I don't know. I think you might be right. I think you might be right. Um. So let me pull up my FMK cars list. I, you, I just want to point out you went with the least powerful car. I did. Yeah. I did. I'm sorry. Let's go. Um, okay. I have, I have a couple. I have a few. I have one I'm working on. Um... Let's go ahead and just start with this. Uh, this one I've called "Cocaine is a Hell of a Drug." Okay, I like it. If there's not a Ferrari Testarossa in here, I'm going to be really upset. There is a Ferrari <laughs> Testarossa. <laughs> you can probably guess. Do you want me to guess these? Yeah. Okay. Let's see if you can get them. Okay. So I'm going to say cocaine is a hell of a drug. Yeah, cocaine is a hell of a drug. Uh, Ferrari Testarossa, sure, obviously, yeah. mm-hmm. because Miami Vice. Yeah. Duh. Uh-huh. Um, Why did my jeans just turn into acid wash? Huh. <laughs> All right, go on. Um, Mercedes G-Wagon? Nope. Oh, okay. Um, so these are cocaine users, not cocaine dealers, is yes, what you're, you're saying. <laughs> you're correct. You're correct. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, oh, that makes it a little more difficult. Um, you have five seconds to get one more. Four. Wrap. Three. Um, two. Kuntosh. Yes, you're correct. Kuntosh has got to be one of them. And then I'm going to go with um, Porsche 930. Nope. What's more notable to cocaine and cars than this one particular car? DeLorean. Oh. (laughs) Of course. Right. Of course. Good. Yeah. John DeLorean, who sold cocaine to keep the company afloat. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about automotive scandals right yeah right do you see that that got option like they're making a movie of course they are i'm so excited for that as they should so awesome yeah yeah all right so anyway lamborghini countach yeah a delorean yeah and a ferrari testarossa fmk ian that's fmk is it it is tough okay and i'm gonna do something yeah the Lamborghini Countach scene in Wolf of Wall Street is one of the greatest Lamborghini Countach <laughs> scenes in a movie yeah. of all time. Yeah. Um, so I think I'm going to have to kill the DeLorean. Yeah, I was kind of – I was thinking that that one was weak and it would be weeded out rapidly. I, w- I would like to drive it around, but I have such a good plan to drive around for my, my, my F. Okay. So I'm – I'm going to fuck the Countach. Sure. And I have a plan for what I would do for it. All right, let's hear it. Let's so hear it. I think whenever you see someone who, like, in a movie, like, goes out and buys a, a Countach, uh-huh. they always have a uh, a well-endowed young lady driving around with them in a bikini. Like you do. Like you do. I think I think you just buy the Countach and one shows up. I think you're I think they're in the glove box. <laughs> they're, they're just in there. Okay. All right. Um. And I would when drive... you said well endowed, you meant she has a big penis, right? Of course. <laughs> okay. All right. Go on. I mean, hopefully. <laughs> no. Um, 
I was talking about boobs, Dave. All right. Okay. Uh, no, I would. I would then subvert expectations by just hiring, like I would say, five or six male strippers and just stacking them in the passenger seat <laughs> in speedos and just okay. driving around going to antique stores in my Countach because I think it'd be funny. Okay. All right. That's what I would do with my coon, my day with the Countach. My day with the Countach. And then I would I would marry the shit out of a Testarossa. Would you? I would. It's. Sexy. I, I was stuck in traffic next to one maybe like a year ago. Yeah. Uh, I-25 was just a parking lot. Yeah. And I just happened to be near a black Ferrari Testarossa. Yeah. It was with the one of the ones with the the mirror up on the A-pillar because that's the coolest. Oh, I can't. I don't. And there's a difference Yeah, with that I can't remember. That yeah. people who are nerdier than me would know about. Yeah. But like the, I think the early cars had this the, – the driver's side mirror was like up on the A-pillar, okay. which is – useless but it looks really fucking cool (laughs) yeah you can't see anything out of it no nothing no but it looks amazing yeah Yeah. okay all right well i think you've made a good decision i i would probably do the same thing yeah yeah seeing them drive the kuntash on top gear you know and talking about how you shouldn't meet your automotive heroes i've just never really been drawn to kuntashes i've just never really clicked with the design i know it's very it's it's very important in the automotive industry and automotive design, the design of the Countach was. Right. Um, but I don't know. It just never really did anything for me. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Don't know. Anyway, you have any more? Would you like to do another FMK cars? Yeah, sure. Okay. What are we at time-wise? We are at 56 minutes. So let's each do one more and wrap okay. it up. What do you think? All right. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah, I'm going to do this one. Okay. So this is... Uh, I think my last one will be quick, so. More more diesel. More diesel? More diesel related. Diesel. Yeah. Ah, oh, okay. Is that not how you say that? No, it's past my bedtime. I'm <laughs> Dave's sleepy. Um, so we're going to go with terrible diesel cars. Oh. See, I saw you had a Mazda CX-7 pulled up in a browser tab. Do you want me to do that? Let's do that instead. That, okay. Yeah, these these are all terrible. Okay. There's a Peugeot in it. Oh, all right. Well, so this Marriott. is this is we're going to the suburbs edition. Okay, we're rocking the suburbs like Ben Folds. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this is what is going to happen. This is what you're going to maybe buy after you light your sob on fire and buy pleated pants. Oh. From earlier. Okay. Costco the, pleated pants. Yep. Uh, oh, you you could fill all these cars up with tons of pleated pants. Really? Oh yeah. Oh cool. All right. So we're going to start with Kirkland the Toyota Land. Venza. Uh yeah. Yeah, that's going to be the reaction to all of this. Yeah. Mazda CX-7. So, okay, go on, go on. This is, that that one's my favorite of the three. Yeah. And the Fiat oh, 500L. I saw one of those just the other day, and it looked disgusting. I just wanted to punch it. Yeah. Um. So, I want to talk about the CX-7 real quick, because I'm I'm going to marry that one to begin with. Yeah. It had a turbo engine and was not horrible to drive. Mazda actually. Oh, you've driven one? No, but a a, a good friend of mine had his wife had one and he liked it. Um, I trust his opinion mm-hmm. for the most part. Mm-hmm. He did have a rental PT Cruiser once that I drove, and he said it was quote unquote not that bad. But he was really drunk at the time. That's why I was driving the PT Cruiser. <laughs> um, <laughs> so. I don't like that Mazda's sep- gotten rid of the CX-7 because I thought it was really good. I thought it was a decent sport utility vehicle. That f- I didn't realize until just now they had gotten rid of it. Yeah, so they, they, don't have they it anymore? no, they replaced it with the CX-5, the smaller version, oh, and the okay. CX-9, the way too fucking big version. Mm. Right, the CX-7 I think is like a more accessible version of the Lexus RX 350. Right, and it's it's set up. A little bit firmer, has a turbo engine. It has to be a little bit more fun to drive. Like, fun on a sliding scale, obviously, for people like us. I've always thought Mazdas were... Yeah. Every Mazda I've ever driven has always been better than I thought it was going to be. Right. Um, So I'm going to marry the CX-7. Okay. Um, The Fiat just has to get crushed. I'm sorry. I cannot allow that kind of dickery to persist in this world. So you're going to tell me... Yeah. You're going to fuck a Toyota Venza. I I have to. Yeah. I have to. So here's what I would do with my day with a Toyota Venza. All right. Right? I would pull up to Costco when they open, which is about 10 a.m., but I have an executive membership, so I think I can get in the door at 9 a.m. Okay. Right? I would order 
so much Costco cheese pizza. I would order all the Costco <laughs> cheese pizza, all right? And then I would just drive around the entire day mm-hmm. giving homeless people Costco cheese pizza out of my Toyota Venza. Okay. Then at the end of the day, I would give the last homeless person Costco cheese pizza and, and a Toyota <laughs> Venza. <laughs> yes. And he'd be like, uh, you don't have anything more fun to drive? <laughs> How come you can't uh, give me a 10th anniversary Mazda RX-7? Yeah. Yeah. And then... Yeah, so that's that's I what like I would it. do. I like it. I like your yeah. answer. Um, that 500L is just yeah. yeah, yeah. It's so bad. I don't, I don't get it. I, the L stands for Lord, please strike me dead. <laughs> is what it stands for because I've just seen something so ugly. It's ah, oh, the one I saw. I think I'm pretty esoteric on the colors that I like on cars. Mm-hmm. Like if if the right shade of powder blue is applied to the right car i am all in yeah like i yeah like i like a champagne gold right yeah um i don't know the fiat i saw was kind of a powder blue baby blue looks really good on the little 500 on the Uh, regular 500 yeah yeah we saw one of those with a powder blue with the white mirrors looks Mm -hmm. really good but on that 500 Uh, it's gross yeah okay so um since Mazda keeps coming up, we're going to go ahead and do cars that have aged well. Okay. All right? Yeah. We kind of talked about them last time. Uh, the first is a Ferrari F355. Mm, okay. Yeah. yeah, I know. We're very conflicted about that for good reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you and I are gun-shy about the reliability of a car, <laughs> then good. it has problems, yeah. my friend. Yeah. Okay. Mazda Arcs. Or, uh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm jumping ahead. Ferrari F355. Okay. Acura NSX. I think it's aged well. I yeah. don't know about you. Uh, are you talking? So you're talking like the early ones, like the '89 before they did the with with the flip up headlights. Yes, with the, the flip up headlights. Okay. Yep. yep. Uh, and then the last is a third generation Mazda RX-7, and I have a special note here. It says with apex seals that will never go bad. Period. Really. Period. Okay. For real. Period. Okay. You just have to trust me on this one, comma okay. Ian. Period. Yeah. So you said third generation? Third generation. That's the last is that the yes. last generation yes. one? Mm-hmm. Those look really good. They they right? They look so good. They look so great. Yeah. Oh. Okay, so it's F three fifty five NSX mm-hmm. RX seven. Yep. And it's F-M-K. turbo tur- doing the turbo. Is it the turbo RX seven? Uh, they're all twin tur all third generations are twin turbo sequential. Okay. Turbocharged. I think, man. And Apex seals will never go bad. This is something that has to be rebuilt at 60,000 miles yeah. on these cars. Okay. I I think I'm going to end up crushing the Ferrari, Dave. Yeah. I think I'm going to kill the Ferrari. Uh-huh. I mean, as cool as that car is. I did just see a little piece of you die. Yeah. I'm sorry, man. But I think... Uh, I think the RX-7 looks better. It does. I think it does. I think it looks better. I and don't know if it this, will in 10 years. This category but is I think cars now that, it does. Cars that look good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I have to go. I think I'm going to fuck the RX-7 and marry the NSX. Okay. And right. with my day with the RX-7, I'm, I mean, I'm just going to do burnouts for a whole day. Yeah. Just do nothing but drift. Yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to teach myself to drift uh-huh. on the mean streets of Denver <laughs> for one whole day. Uh-huh. And then once I get bailed out of jail, mm-hmm. I'll have an NSX waiting for me. Yeah. That's my plan. Okay. I think you've made a good decision. Yeah. And survivor's guilt from a crushed Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, but, man, like we talked about last time, that, that maintenance is out of hand even for guys like us. Yeah. So I think that does it. Yeah. yeah I, I think so. The last thing I wanted to do was just give a quick shout out to Isaac. Uh, he is some underscore guys underscore on underscore a underscore bike. Some guy on a bike with underscores in there mm-hmm. on Instagram. He's digging what we're putting out there, and I appreciate it. We appreciate cool. it. I just wanted to say hi to him and anybody else in Kansas City repping Team Clearcoat. Um, follow us on Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter at Team Clearcoat. 
play FMK Cars with us on Instagram, Twitter, however you happen to see it. I've had problems getting stuff from Instagram over to Tumblr, so Tumblr stuff seems to be spotty. But uh, yeah, so check out at Team Clearcoat on all of those things. Send us your FMK Cars ideas. We'll answer them. Yeah. Let us know how you would how you would vote on ours. We'll be doing a post for each FMK Cars that we've done on the show uh, to let you guys know, or so that we can find out how other people uh, see it. The best place to do is probably on Instagram when you have uh, good comment space and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, tweet at us. And I think that's about it. Yep. Yeah, I'm good. I think we did good work here today, Dave. Excellent, Ian. Good good work. Good job. All right. Don't don't cheat on your emissions test, folks. Please don't. All right. Bye. Bye.